Mindfulness Mode, Episode 50. Movement has always been a way of meditation, a way of becoming mindful. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Hey, Mindful Tribe, I want to challenge you today. If you know anyone whose life would be improved with mindfulness, to share this podcast with them. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have Courtney Townley on the line today. Hey, Courtney, are you in mindfulness mode? I sure am, Bruce. Absolutely. That's terrific. Courtney Townley is a health and fitness expert with a strong background in dance. Through her business, Grace and Grit, she helps women be healthier, happier, and more fit in three specific areas, food, movement, and stress management. She has incredible energy and enjoys sharing her love of movement with her clients. She graduated from the University of Michigan with a BFA in dance. She's certified as a coach and trainer in various aspects of health and fitness. Courtney is a strong advocate of mindfulness and uses mindfulness strategies on a daily basis. So Courtney, tell Mindful Tribe what's most exciting for you these days. Oh, wow. Life seems really full right now, which is wonderful. Um, and my business really has just expanded so much in the past year. With I, I just launched my own podcast, which has been very exciting. And I just launched a membership site, which has really helped me to reach more women um, in my work, which has been very exciting and, and a different type of work for me. It's a different energy when you put a group together than just working with people one-on-one. And I have a six-year-old, so that keeps me very busy as well and keeps every day very exciting. Wow, never a dull moment. That must be the case. Never a dull moment, no. (laughs) So, Courtney, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness to me, I mean, I think the nuts and bolts of it would be staying awake. Staying awake to the choices that we're making, how we're responding to the world around us, and definitely taking deep responsibility for that. Um, I I had heard a quote a while ago. I wish I could tell you where I heard it. But um, the quote was that, you know, we can't drive a car blindfolded. And it was speaking directly to my mindfulness. And I love that because I, I believe that that's so true, you know, that we can't get through life successfully and we can't really even control our mindset if we aren't aware of what our mindset even is and the choices that we're making. So, Yeah. So when do you first remember being aware of that awareness? Oh, so early on. And, you know, I I can't tell you a specific age, but I can tell you probably in the later years of high school and even in my early college years, I was always very intrigued with the whole self-help movement. I mean, for lack of a better term, that's what I felt like it was. And I was reading you know, books on Buddhism and just anything I could get my hands on that helped me to get basically more control over my own presence and my own choices. And I can't say that I had a deep practice at that point, but that is definitely when the intrigue began. You know, post-college, life got very crazy. I mean, I, I had my first real job and life was moving at a really fast pace And I think I really sort of veered away from that a little bit because I was just so busy and not making time for it. And then I 
I really started recognizing at the end of my 20s that although I was in the health profession and actually helping people to become healthier, I myself wasn't feeling healthy. And there were lots of reasons for that. Um, you know, diet choices, uh, lack of sleep, a lot of things. But really what it all came down to was that life was spinning too fast and I wasn't taking time to be present and responsible for the choices that I was making. Right. And that's really what I find comes, you know, it, it comes down to with so many of my clients. As much as they want to improve their health and they would like to just focus on diet and exercise, it really starts with mindfulness. Yes, it really does. And does mindfulness in your life include some kind of meditation? You know, it does. When I became a mother, <laughs> um, that was a shock in and of itself. I think some people move into motherhood very gracefully. I, I, I was not one of those people. <laughs> it, <laughs> as much as I love being a mother, it was, it was a lot more challenging than I was prepared for. And all of the habits that I would say habits that didn't really breed mindfulness. So the busyness of my life and my, my tendency to be reactive and things that moved me away from mindfulness were really kind of brought to the forefront when I first became a mother. And I very quickly recognized that this is not the example I wanted to set for my child. And I needed help, you know, with helping to develop a practice and helping to develop more awareness and so I did do an eight-week an eight week MBSR class, Mindful-Based Stress Reduction class. And I would say that was the, even though I had dabbled in meditation, um, MBSR really helped me to just simplify it. I didn't have to, you know, have these intricate mantras and, and make it this complex thing. I literally just needed to focus on something, <laughs> one thing for a set period of time to, to bring my attention to a, a more of a focal point and be able to become more aware of, of the choices that I was making. So I, I do, I still to this, this day, that was years ago, my son is six now. So at least for the past six years, at least once a day, I, I make a point of, of sitting myself down and literally I close my eyes and I focus on one thing for a set period of time. Um, it, sometimes it's a noise in the room. Sometimes it's a, a, a um, particular affirmation. Sometimes it's just a sensation in my body. But the other thing I would say that I do daily that is as much, if not even more of a powerful practice for me is I'm a mover and movement has always been a way of meditation, a way of becoming mindful because I feel so focused when I'm actually physically engaged with my body. Um, and so I have a pretty rigorous movement practice that I, I really am so focused and present with. And I always leave that practice just feeling so much more clear headed and aware and excited and grateful, which to me embodies all of, of mindfulness. Right. So for you, moving really is mindful. It is. It, and it, it, I don't think it is for everyone. No. Um, I think it's a practice to develop that because I have been in a space where there have been times in my life where I just exercised and I was you know, listening to music and maybe reading a book while I was doing cardio. And that to me isn't a mindful movement practice. A mindful movement practice is really being present with, with the movement and not being distracted by all these other things that come in sometimes when we are working out or moving. So I, I really try to, it's a solo 
endeavor. I don't, I don't do it with other people. Um, and, and I, I definitely have a process for it and, um, yeah, I'm just very present with the movement itself. So I'm trying not to be distracted by a lot of other things while while I'm moving. Well, I noticed that you mentioned you've had a bit of a challenge with your health earlier in your life. Have mm-hmm. you ever struggled with the concept of mindfulness? Oh, are you kidding? Of course. Who? Ha- <laughs> I hope I'm, I, I can't imagine I'm the only one. Um, definitely. I think that I, I still struggle with it. I think that it's kind of an ongoing dance you know, mindfulness isn't something that you achieve and then have forevermore. It's something that I think we have to keep bringing our attention back to, which is where a practice comes in, really. Yes, it is. Right. So if we don't have some sort of consistent practice, it's a little easier to, to, to find yourself going down that slippery slope away from it. Right. Um, but I definitely, I think, I think prior to uh, the MBSR class that I took, like I said, I had been dabbling with meditation and, you know, reading lots of books. And I always had this intuitive knowing that I, I sort of needed to calm myself down, focus myself, focus on what's important and, and stay awake of, of the things that I was doing in my life to improve my life. But it wasn't until I was really introduced to that MBSR class that I, I really started to feel like I was getting anywhere with it. Right. Um, and even to this day, you know, life, life is full and life is noisy. And if I do not make a conscious choice to make room in my schedule for a mindfulness practice, then, yeah, I struggle with it. Right. Well, I know you've helped a lot of women with your coaching. Can you tell us a story of a specific coaching client where you were able to use mindfulness to make a positive difference? Sure. I mean, I I think I could really pull from any one of my client stories. Um, So often, and I know this sounds general, I'm generalizing at first, and then I'll get a little bit more specific. But so often when women come to me, you know, they, like I said earlier, they just really want to focus on the food and the exercise because that's what our diet and fitness culture has led people to believe is most, that's how you're going to change your health story. And while those things are a small piece of improving your health, it really does begin with mindfulness. And so when a client does come to me, um, you know, the, the, one of the first things I start asking them to do is we start tracking some behavior because it, I know that sounds almost like it's in a direction away from mindfulness, but it actually really wa- awake, awakens them to what they're doing that is causing all this disruption and dis-ease in their life. Um, and, and from there, you know, once they see that, oh, wow, what I'm doing is actually not what I thought I was doing, because a lot of times what we think we're doing is not in line with what's actually happening. Yes, that's when I open up the conversation and I, and I really, it really is a conversation because I usually ask them, what are you doing right now to help manage your stress or to become more aware of the choices that you're making? I want to understand what their practice is and most often they don't have one, but I do ask them if they, you know, what they do. And, and if they don't have one, then I will, I will give them a nudge, um, to, you know, I usually push them towards, you know, some books and, um, I have, I give them a a really basic, um, meditation practice, which would be, you know, similar to the type of work that I did in MBSR, just having them slow down for five minutes in the day. It sounds like nothing, but it's a start. And if they can start building that practice consistently, even if it's just being mindful for five minutes while they're washing their dishes 
or five minutes while they're folding laundry. And just being fully actively present with that one activity, it's really amazing how that starts to spill over into the other things that they're doing that impact their health. So the food choices that they're making or the sensations in their body when, they're, when they've been sitting at their desk for too long, right? And it's that kind of awareness that eventually is going to help push them into making some different choices um, that, that will help serve their health rather than hurt it. Right, because it's all about choices. Courtney, you've called your business Grace and Grit, and I think that's just a terrific name. But can you tell Mindful Tribe where you came up with that name and maybe how it relates to mindfulness? Sure. So I, with grace, you know, I really believe that in order to recognize the change that needs to be made in our life to lead us to sort of a happier and healthier state, we have to love ourselves enough to sort of have that, that awareness. So we need to, we need to be able to stand in the ring with the things that maybe aren't serving us and say, okay, I see that I could do better in some of these areas and I want to do better because I'm worth it and I really want to live an outstanding life. I think that to me, that's what grace is. Grace just lovingly and gently helps show us where the improvements can be made. And then the grit, of course, is where the work gets done, right? Right, Because there's what, it's one thing to recognize what needs to change, but nothing will change if we don't get dirty. And so the grit, of course, is that reflection of doing the work. Right. And I love the pictures of you on your website where you are getting dirty and you're showing that side of yourself. It's, <laughs> that was really fun photo shoot. Thank you. I, I bet it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really shows it shows your personality and it really shows character. And, you know, I, I just really enjoyed looking at that. Being healthy and fit requires discipline, as you've already referred to. How can mindfulness help your clients have the discipline they need? to become more fit and healthy? You know, a big practice for me with, with mindfulness with my clients is helping them to connect with their values. So helping them to understand what it is about their life that they value most. And for most people, that's not a tough exercise, really. I mean, most right. people could probably tell you pretty easily the things they value. Sure. And I try to use, um, you know, instead of just, you know, trying to motivate them, I, I try to help connect how being healthier and how getting healthier is going to help increase those values, how it's going to benefit those values. So if someone's value is family, then, you know, improving their health and being mindful of that value and, and being true to that value, having integrity with that value is ultimately going to help give them some motivation for improving their health. If it's going to give more to their family, they're more likely to do the work that improving their health will require of them. Does that make sense? So it's... Yeah, it does. Yeah. So I, I, use, I use values a lot to come back to mindfulness because I think mindfulness is, is being true to... It, it, part of it is also being true to the things that we say we really care about. And again, with the, the hurriedness of life, sometimes, I mean, how oftentimes do people look at their schedules and the, nothing that they value is on their schedule for the day? Right. Yes. Sometimes we... We withhold the things that we love most because we think we should be doing the things that aren't as much fun. I know that you, I know that you coach women, Courtney, but mm -hmm. if you were to suddenly coach three or four men, how do you think it would differ from the work you already do? Oh, that's a good question. You know, 
I, I, well, I think that the process that I take people through as far as, you know, food, exercise, changing habits over the long term, it would look a little bit different for men because men just have, even though we all have bodies, men's chemistry is a little bit different and their challenges are a little bit different. Um, I think women sometimes maybe, and, and maybe this is a generalization, but I, I do think sometimes they struggle more with giving themselves permission to take care of themselves. Okay. Um, so, so, you know, I think, I think the actual process I take people through would be different. Would, would, would the conversation around mindfulness be any different? Absolutely not. I mean, I think so much of what I, what I, um, talk to people about in my work absolutely would go towards both genders. I think I've just always, for some reason, since the beginning of really my career, I've always gravitated towards women. Yes. And, um, and so that's, that's why I serve women. But do I think that the conversation of mindfulness would change? I don't. Um, I think, you know, the energy behind the way I deliver information might change a little bit. Um, and some of the steps that I take along the way might be a little bit different. Um, but I do find with women, we spend a lot of time um, talking about permission, you know, being, being okay with receiving self-care. Yes. Um, and, and I'm not sure that that would be exactly the same conversation with men. And right. again, I, you know, I, I, can only, I can only guess there because sure. I, I don't have a lot of experience working with men, at least not with coaching. I, I have personal trained a lot with men, but not, not with the coaching work. Sure. Yes. Well, I want to go back to your experience with dance. And I know that that was an original love with, with you and it probably still is. But tell us more about your, your experience with dance and how mindfulness maybe played a role in that. Mm. You know, when you asked me at the beginning of this interview today, what mindfulness meant to me, I think a, a piece of that would have been intuition. Um, you know, I think mindfulness brings us back to our intuition, sort of our gut instinct. Right. And with dance, I mean, that was always a gut instinct. I mean, from my earliest memories, dance was always something that I just wanted to do. And when I did it, it it's like it silenced everything. It's the thing that makes me feel most happy, most at peace, most healthy, um, and, and to this day, I can still say that's true. You know, that when I'm, when I feel so complete and whole and, um, fulfilled when I am moving my body to music and, and that, that to me is the essence of mindfulness. You know, I mean, for me personally, I know a lot of people might have different definitions of mindfulness, but for me being in that state where it really is just being fully present in the moment with what I'm doing and having gratitude and appreciation for that and feeling so happy about it um, has been, you know, the best mindful pra mindfulness practice I've probably ever had. And that's not something I ever learned. You know, it really, even though I studied dance in school, yes. you know, and I definitely have, you know, spent a lot of, you know, have, have learned a lot of different, you know, theories and things around dance Dance to me has always been my nature. And I think mindfulness truly brings us back to our nature. Right. It's just discovering what really truly makes us happy and what is really truly a natural part of us. Absolutely. And I think, how, I mean, how often do you hear stories of, of someone having, you know, a, a gift or a, um, 
a love in childhood. And then, of course, because of the responsibilities of life, they stem away from it. And and I don't think it's any surprise there that when people stem away from their passions as children, they also tend to start struggling with a lot of issues around mindfulness. Right. You know, I think there's some correlation there. I can't tell you I know exactly what it is, but I definitely can see a connection because for me personally, I have felt that in my own life. And when I'm really in line, when I feel aligned with who I am and what I value, I feel that I'm in the best state to make healthy choices. And, and to me, that is mindfulness, is the ability to make healthy choices and responsible choices for myself and the people around me. But if I'm tired and not well-fed and, and doing a job that I don't love, you know, I'll get reactive and, 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 and that doesn't serve anybody. No. Well, let's talk about healthy choices with food mm. and food and mindfulness. How can we become better at making those healthy choices and not just automatically grab for something? Mm, yeah, I think, you know, as hard, as easy as it sounds, and it's very difficult in practice, simply slowing down is a big deal. Um, and, and I don't just mean slowing down our life to be able to you know, eat more. Although I would say that I think for oftentimes, and especially with women, you know, they are, they're grabbing something in the morning, they're going all day without eating and then eating something at night. But if we were truly honoring the needs of our body, we would recognize that our body needs fuel to perform well, right? To function well and to do all the things that we're asking it to do in a day. Absolutely. So if we can, you know, slow down enough to be able to, to ask, our, you know, ask ourselves a simple question, what does my body need right now? I bet we would be more apt to eating more frequent meals because our, our energy supply needs to be restored. And so I often tell my clients, just ask yourself a few times today, what does self-care look like right now? Does it look like eating another meal? Does it look like going to the bathroom? <laughs> you know, I mean, mm -hmm. how often do women, you know, people in general hold their bladders for a long time because they just don't want to make time to, to go to the restroom? Mm -hmm. um, does it look like having a glass of water? Does it look like taking a walk around the block? You know, self-care looks a lot of uh, different ways throughout the day. But I think if we just sometimes stop and ask that question, it, it, we can get powerful answers. And if we're willing to honor those answers, it can dramatically change our health. Right. Um, and you know, the other thing I would say with food is, is just when we sit down to eat food, just being grateful for the food that's in front of us, taking a couple minutes, because I think that changes the whole energy around a meal is having a moment of gratitude. Um, and then just proceeding with your food slowly. So instead of shoveling the food in, and I believe me, I am guilty of that. You know, I, I just with, again, with a busy schedule, it's really easy to just shove food in your mouth. But if you really take time and almost make it a ritual as you're eating to just chew every bite as, as much as you can before swallowing it, putting your fork down between bites and really getting back, you know, enjoying meals and having meals be nutritious, not just the nutri nutrition in the food, but the nutrition in the experience. It's an art, and in order to learn any art, we have to practice it. And I'll tell you, sometimes my days are so full and at the end of the day, I sit down with my family to have dinner and it's really easy to just rush through a meal. Yes. But children are really awesome at taking a really long time to eat, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which can be, you know, crazy making, but yeah. it's also such a good reminder that, that meal time is meant to be a nourishing time. 
Um, and, and if we can really like put on some nice music and really be grateful for the food and enjoy the food as it's, you know, going into our body and remind ourselves how much good it's doing. And we don't have to do all those things at every meal, but any one of those things can help elevate that experience and elevate the nutrition of our food. I want to know if you think we should even think about these two words as we eat or as we prepare meals. Should this be a concern? The two words are fat and sugar. What do you think? You know, I think it's, that's a tricky, that's a good question, by the way. I think, yes, I think that it's, it depends in what light. I think fat in the form, if you're referring to like the, the fat in food, um, yes, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that we've taken it a little too far. I think that we have, um, the wrong idea about fat. I think fat is really good for us. It's just really, you know, the healthier types of fat. So omega three, things like that. Um, and I do believe that sugar is, is really, um, a drug. I do. I believe that it's, it's something that our body looks at as a toxic substance. And no matter how good we feel about that sugar going down, you know, even if we're in the best state of mind, do I think it's going to affect our physiology? Absolutely. I do. Now, I believe that anything can be taken to extremes, you know, and, and most things are, you know, absolutely no unhealthy fat and absolutely no sugar in the diet. And, you know, that, that to me is not healthy. Any extreme really is probably not healthy, but I do believe mindfulness again is awareness and being aware of the value that food provides our, our body or not. Because to, to me, food is either nourishing or depleting, you know, and there's food that comes from the earth and that is nature made and untampered with is absolutely hands down going to have more nutritional value and be very empowering to our system versus foods that have been factory made, synthesized, processed, you know, that's, if that's really just toxic goop in our system that's going to deplete us and degenerate us. And we don't need that. No, definitely not. So I do think there has to be, there definitely has to be awareness and consciousness of, of what is actually in the food and how is it going to benefit our body. And if there is no benefit to our body, why are we having it? Um, and, and I believe that's all a part of mindfulness. Yes. Courtney, I've worked in bullying prevention for quite a long time, and I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can make a huge positive difference in the lives of children or adults who have been bullied. Do you have a story about bullying that may relate to mindfulness? I thought about this before we talked today, and and, and immediately what I thought of was the fact that I deal with women every single day who are bullying themselves. So is it directly, you know, a child bullying another child? No, but I believe so much of the damage that is happening in, you know, with the female health story is a direct response to women bullying themselves. I don't think it's the only reason. I think it's a very big part of the story. Why do you think women do that? Oh, because they've been taught to. Because our, I think our culture is, you know, we live in a culture where we, you know, Photoshop every model in every magazine and we have set standards for women that they can't possibly meet, not in a sane and sustainable way. And so women are constantly feeling like they aren't enough, Yes. right? Because that message is all around them. If you don't look like this, you're not enough. If you aren't this successful, you're not enough, you know? And, and I think that 
we swallow that enough times that we just start regurgitating that in our own heads. So we just think we're not good enough, or at least women do. Yeah, I think I think in, on a lot of fronts they they don't, or they think that getting you know getting healthy is not possible because they're holding up a, an unrealistic standard of what our culture has defined as beautiful. So they're saying, well, you know, a woman might say to herself, you know, I'm going to struggle with my weight my entire life. Well, if she's comparing her weight to a model who eats maybe one meal a day, who's been airbrushed, and and she's calling that healthy, you know, then yeah, that's a problem. It's that's you know, she's she's berating herself because I find this often, Bruce. I find women are eating uh, honestly. A lot of times, women are eating well. Yes, they're making good choices. Mm-hmm. They're putting in effort to move their bodies. They're they're really trying to become more aware of the choices they're making around their health. And yet, if they aren't a certain number on the scale, or they can't fit in a certain clothing size, or they aren't you know holding up that that impossible standard that our culture has set, they feel like a failure. Mm. And they, and that's, and a lot of bullying is happening in their heads because they're not giving themselves any credit for all the amazing work that they're doing. So do you think the answer to this is found in mindfulness? Absolutely. Hands down. And I, I don't know that I would have had the maturity to say that to you 10 years ago. Because 10 years ago, I was moving as, you know, as a trainer and kind of into the health coaching world from the place that, you know, the right diet choices and exercise can solve any health issue. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Clearly, there yeah. is, you know, much, it's a much bigger picture than that. And I wouldn't say that at all now. Like, I really, I, I mean, I truly, truly deeply believe that people need to start with a mindfulness practice. They need to start with getting clear on their values and, you know, what, why they even want to get healthy. You know, how is it going to serve their life? I mean, if, if a woman comes to me and says, the only reason I want to get healthy is because I want to get ready for bikini season, mm-hmm. I, I won't take that client. No. Okay. Unless I can convince her that there's much, you know, there's, there's bigger things in her life that her health is going to help serve. Yeah, we hope so. And we hope so. But, but truly, there are, you know, there is that mindset out there sometimes that it's just an aesthetic thing that people should, you know, they're just trying to get in a certain clothing size or look a certain way. And that is not at all where I move from as a health coach. It really is about health. And health looks a, different, a lot of different ways. It feels a lot of different ways. And it's a very personal experience. Right. Yes, it really is. You have to define what healthy is for you. And the only way that you can do that is by being mindful. Courtney, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? You know, I would say my health coach. Um, my health coach, Sherry Lynn, um, she talked a lot when I was working with her about the importance of meditation and mindfulness and really sort of fired me up even more than I already was to dive deeper into it. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Oh, very much so. Calmed me down. I'm a very excitable creature, which you may know by now. Um, But yeah, it really just helped me to have more choice over my emotions rather than my emotions running me. How has breathing become a part of your mindfulness practice? Mm, Breathing. I mean, just, I would say it's, it's the linchpin in the sense that there is, not, there is no quicker way to get into a state of mindfulness than just by pausing and taking several deep breaths. If you could recommend a book on mindfulness, what would it be? 
Mm. For me, the power of now. You know, I read it in my 20s and I just, it was, it was definitely probably a turning point into, into my mindfulness practice and really wanting to go deeper with it and, and having it be a strong practice in my life. Yes. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? Oh, you know, I can't tell you, and I haven't used it actually in a while, but for a while, I'm not a big app girl, but Mm -hmm. for a while I had a gratitude app on my phone and it was great. A little alarm went off, you know, every, every once in a while throughout the day, maybe three times a day. And I just jotted down what I was grateful for in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that had a big impact on just my mindset, which I think mindset is huge, you know, directly related to our mindfulness. So sure. that, that was um, a big one for me. What advice would you give a person who's new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Yep. The best way to um, start walking is putting one foot in front of the other, right? Not starting with a run, not starting with a jump, not yes. starting by flying. And so break it down into a, a digestible bite, And I would say even before someone tries to sort of sit in a chair and maybe build some kind of meditation practice, I would say just just try practicing being fully present with one activity in your day for a set period of time and be a realistic on that time frame, like maybe maybe five minutes and and be consistent. Consistency is, is everything when it comes to building any kind of practice. Yes, it really is. Consistency is certainly everything with podcasting too, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of podcasting, tell Mindful Tribe how we can connect with you, learn more about what you do, and get to know you better. Sure. Well, my website is graceandgrit.com, and there's lots of great information on there for people to sift through. And then my podcast just launched three weeks ago, which is Grace and Grit Podcast. And it, it, it really is all about strategies and tips to, to really help women dig deeper um, with improving their health and, and really kind of getting away from all these quick fixes and, and overnight successes and, and really just kind of building from the ground up because I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, habit change is slow, but it is possible. We just have to have the right strategies in place and we have to have consistency. And I can tell that you would just be a terrific coach. So if I were a woman, I'd be contacting you right away. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, I sure love it. I mean, it's just been such a gratifying job. And I, I think I'm more passionate about it now than I ever have been. And like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, it really just a lot of my work parallels my own life. You know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a master of anything. And I, I, but I have learned a lot um, through my journey. And if, if any of that can help another woman, I am more than happy to share. Well, Courtney, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you today. I really appreciate what, what you're doing. I really appreciate how much you care about your clients and want to help them genuinely. So it's fantastic to talk with you and all the best to you. Thank you so much, Bruce. I really appreciate you having me on. You're welcome. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. In appreciation, I'll mention you at the top of an upcoming show. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.